All right, good morning. Hope everyone's having a good week. I want to welcome our visitors, those watching online. Thankful to be with you all again this morning. Um, like uh, Adam mentioned earlier, we did just finish up a sermon going through Romans 8, trying to see Romans 8 with a fresh set of eyes. I hope that was a blessing to you as it was for me, just preparing and working through that material. Uh, very thankful that Pat was able to bring the message last week about all the many questions that Romans 8 kind of finishes with. And I hope that we have a little bit more clarity than questions, but questions are a great thing. So please, I always invite deeper, deeper questions. But today, we're going to kind of shift gears a little bit. Um, and really, uh, the reason why I kind of am here this morning in Luke 15 is because I saw my wife wearing a SunQuest shirt, okay? Uh, last year, we talked about SunQuest at SunQuest Luke 15, and it just kind of stoked my interest to go back and reread through Luke 15, and this is where I am this morning. And just a quick plug for SunQuest while I'm at it. Um, that's not just for teens, okay? It is a youth rally, but please come and hang out at SunQuest. It would be a great blessing, I think, to you and your family and the church family for all of us to, you know, try to show up at SunQuest. So that's my brief commercial, and I'll be done talking about SunQuest. I love SunQuest. But today we're going to be in Luke chapter 15 if you're, if you're not there already. But if you're not there, as you're turning there, I want you to think about this for, for just a moment. Think of a time you lost something. Anything. Um, I spend a lot of my time looking for things, it seems like, and not always my own things. It happens to be my kids' things that I end up looking for, right? I can't find my shoes. They're right there. I can't find my comb. I can't find my brush. Literally, it's right there. You're not looking hard enough for it. Um, we've all lost things before. We've all experienced that kind of pang of, oh, no. Something is not where it's supposed to be. Um, we all kind of, maybe you don't go through the same thing I do, but I like to keep my calm at first, you know, look around where it might have been, and then slowly but surely my heart starts to race a little bit more, and then I might say, hey, Michelle, have you seen, you know, my hat, or have you seen my glasses? And she's like, no, I haven't seen it. Oh, man, she's supposed to know where all my stuff is. Um, <laughs> like, it's stupid, but, you know, that's how I think sometimes. Um, and so maybe she kind of helps me look. And as we're looking, you know, the question comes up, where did you have it last? If I knew that, I wouldn't know. I, you know, it's one of those things, we always, it's, it's a question that you ask when you lose something. Where did you have it last? It's a good question. You know, you want to retrace your steps. And hopefully that question will remind you, oh, yeah, I was in the kitchen or oh, I was in the restroom, whatever. And we go, we go through this process and we're bringing more people in and maybe they're inviting more people in. And it kind of gets a little embarrassing maybe as you're searching and searching, you cannot find it. And depending on whatever thing you're looking for, it might just get to the point where you're like, you know what, never mind. It is gone forever. You know, what's happened has happened and it's gone. It happens a lot of times in the golf course. I mean, it doesn't happen to me. I don't ever lose golf balls, right? But... It happens a lot of times, and it depends on what kind of ball it is, right? If it's a junky ball, it's like, let the woods take that. It's for somebody else. Uh, but we have a similar experience. No matter what it is, we have a, a process that we go through when we have something that we've lost, and we're looking for it, okay? So I want you to have that in your mind this morning as we look back at Luke 15. And yes, I'm going to read this one more time because I want this story to kind of be woven into our minds this morning. As we're thinking about the things that we lose I want to have Luke 15 kind of in parallel with that this morning. Beginning in verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. 
But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be much re- more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And so as I get into this parable, I kind of go through this thought process of, okay, why is Jesus telling this parable to these people? What is going on around him that he thinks this is the time to unleash this story? Um, they are, you know, I'm going back here a little bit in, in the first beginning part of, of Luke 15. The reason why Jesus is telling this parable is because there's a bunch of mutter, murmurers around, mutterers, right? Do you see that? The murmurs, the mutters, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they muttered. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. The people around him have a problem with the people that are around him, right? The Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they see these sinners, these tax collectors around Jesus, and this rabbi who's supposed to be this respected person is teaching to these people? These kind of people? And for that reason, they begin to mutter. No surprise, they see everybody else as the unrighteous, right? The Pharisees... And the teachers of the law, they see everybody else as unrighteous, where they themselves are the righteous ones. They are the good guys in the story that they're telling themselves over and over again, right? Everybody else is unrighteous. Tyrone is singing somewhere. <laughs> it's okay. I was like, I, I, it just, sometimes the Bible app starts to read, and they're like, that sounds like Tyrone. All right. Anyway, uh, so the murmuring is what Jesus starts to hear, and he begins to tell the story about a lost sheep. And now, as I grew up, the pragmatic side of me has a big problem with how Jesus handles his flock here. Okay, he has a hundred sheep. Imagine you have a hundred sheep, and you're missing one. So in the story, the, the shepherd, he goes after the one that is missing, but the pragmatic part of me is like, but what about everybody else? Who's going to say that those sheep aren't going to run away? Who's going to say that somebody's not going to come and take some of your flock? Who's going to say that a wolf is not going to come in and eat your sheep? Why is this one worth risking the 99? And as I keep thinking through this, I read this parable over and over again. I'm thinking, what about this sheep is special? Can he do any tricks? Can he roll over? Can he shake hands? There has to be something about this sheep. But as I was asking these kind of silly questions, I started thinking about Teen Week. Uh, A couple weeks ago now, we, uh, a a few of the teens went out to CFBC and we talked a lot about David. And I'm excited to talk more with you all about David in the next few months here. But this morning, I want to be very specific in talking about um, 2 Samuel chapter 12. I have it up here. If you want to turn there, please, please, uh, by all means, turn there. But as I was reading through the parable of the lost sheep, it reminded me of the story between Nathan and David. And like I tell the teens all the time, over and over again, if something reminds you of something else in the Bible, it might be telling you something deeper, okay? And I could be totally wrong. After this, you could chastise me if you want and say, Jimmy, that's a terrible use of scripture. You're wrong for doing that. That's okay. But I think the spirit was breathing into this kind of message to me this week 
about something that we talked about at Teen Week. So just bear with me, and we can uh, just see where it goes, okay? So in 2 Samuel, this is Nathan rebuking David. A little bit of context here. David just, you know, had an affair with Bathsheba. Uh, One of his mighty men, Uriah, is off at battle, and while he's off, David takes advantage of his wife. And this is the story the prophet Nathan tells David, kind of in context of that. The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, There were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it, and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arm. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. Oh, wow, I was right. And now in response to this, if you are looking in 2 Samuel chapter 12, David is mad. Nathan's like, what should we do? And David's like, that guy should be dead. And Nathan says, that man is you. And David is, is convicted. And if you want to you know, have some extra reading, you go read Psalm 51, because that's kind of in response to all this stuff with Bathsheba and David and Nathan. That's kind of what's going on in Psalm 51. But when I read through Luke 15, and when I read through the context of 2 Samuel chapter 12, I think there's a similar message that I was missing completely when I read through the parable of the lost sheep. It seems to me that there's something being communicated in this rebuke of Nathan, this parable from Jesus of all the murmuring that the Pharisees are doing, is that Jesus is communicating through this parable the importance of value. What is something worth? We read through, and like I said, there's a part of me that wants to read the parable and dissect it. Okay, what about the other 99 sheep? Are they not valuable to Jesus as the one who is missing? Why this sheep? I think I'm asking the wrong question, okay? Because sometimes we assign more value to things that doesn't really make much sense, right? But the shepherd here in this story, the, the, the thing that I'm taking away that The value is not just this one sheep, it's the value of the sheep in general. The shepherd valued every single sheep the exact same. I'm not just talking about the way parents talk about their kids, right? But it is the same thing, right? The value is not that this one is so special doing tricks or whatever it might be, is that the shepherd would do that for any of the sheep if they happened to be lost. And if the shepherd returned to his flock and there was five sheep missing, ten sheep missing, one sheep missing, guess what the shepherd's going to do? He's going to look for those sheep. And so no longer, to me, is this parable about the pragmatism about, okay, what about the other nine? It's about the value. I have this image right here. I want you to imagine this right here, that last sentence. It was like a daughter to him, right? This parable that Nathan's kind of talking to David about this poor man who loses his only sheep, he highly values that sheep. And when I look about the parable that Jesus tells in Luke 15, it's the same idea, is that this thing is so important to him that he's willing to do anything for it. It's not about the others. It's not about the outside. The question we're asking is not about them. It's about how he values the sheep in general. And so I want to kind of go back to the question I had at the very beginning where you thought of something that you lost, and I want to reframe it. Okay, think of a time you lost something valuable to you. 
maybe your heart's racing a little bit more now than it was before. Um, just the random things that we tend to lose. Uh, this is a very important, I think, distinction here. Because we're talking about this parable in Luke 15 and this parable that Nathan kind of tells David. And I, I just get this sense, this overwhelming sense that there's value that Jesus is seeing in us. And so think of something that you've lost that is valuable to you. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about camp while you think about that. So we were at camp, and it was about Tuesday night. And one of the other youth ministers, you might know him, Beef Bernard, he gets in front of the camp and says, Hey, I've lost my Bible. I cannot find it. I'm offering a $10 reward for anybody who finds the Bible. You know, $10. That's a lot of canteen at camp. Um, and so he comes to me after. He's like, would you mind helping me look? I was like, absolutely. What does it look like? It looks just like this. This is literally his Bible, but black. Mine's more-ish, bluish, navy-ish. His is black and has gold on the sides. And I was like, that's going to be tough to find at a Bible camp. In my, in my head, I said that. But he said, you know, I've had this Bible for 20 years. And I was like, oh, man. How many, you, some of you probably had Bibles longer than that, right? You got, if I flip through this, I find things that I've, I've written, things that I've underlined. And I know if I lost this, I'd be really upset. I've only had this for like seven years, maybe. And I could tell he was pretty upset by this. So we're all looking, and the camp's kind of looking too. And Tuesday goes by, no luck. Wednesday goes by, no luck. Thursday comes by, and and Beef says, all right, $20. I'm upping the ante to $20 because I want my Bible back. And at the $20 mark, things started moving a little bit more. We had some of the younger campers, the ninth graders, this was crazy. This is, we were standing at canteen, and this ninth grader comes up, and he says, hey, is this your Bible? And I was like, that, you looks, it looks like you found that Bible outside, like under a tree that's been there for like 50 years. It is destroyed. No, that's not my Bible. Like it was definitely weathered and just like broken and, and tattered and stuff. And he, I was like, why are you asking me that question? He's like, well, I'm going to go up to every person and see if this is their Bible and see if they accidentally grabbed beef Bibles instead because, you know, they accidentally, I was like, dude, go, like, do whatever you want to do, but uh, that's going to take you a while, right? Uh, but the $20 definitely upped the ante for people to start looking more and investing more of their time. And so Thursday comes by, no luck. Friday comes by, no luck still. Saturday morning, we're leaving. Beef still does not have his Bible. And he's still pretty upset. And so we're cleaning our cabin out. And lo and behold, the Bible is underneath one of my camper's beds. Beef is not in my cabin. He does not sleep there. He does not stay there. Uh, How the Bible got there, I'm still unsure of. One of the campers in my cabin, Beef is actually his youth ministry, so I bet someone did it on purpose. Because Beef is always offering rewards for the things that he loses. So I was like, that is a crazy fan fiction theory. Uh, But that's not the case. We got the Bible back to him. No one accepted a reward because... He was very upset by that because it was his Bible. It was something very valuable to him. You could be saying, you know what? We all have our Bibles on our phones. Why is that Bible special? We could go to Walmart right now and get a Bible. We can go to Target. Why is this Bible so special to you? It's because of all the memories, right? It's because of all the things, all the notes you've written in here, all the things that are valuable. It's not valuable to me, but it's valuable to you. It was valuable to him, and I'm sure we all have those things in our minds that we can think of that someone say, well, it's just a, you know, fill in the blank. But it's not just that to you. It's something much, much more. 
See, we have a similar problem that the Pharisees had at the very beginning of the parable. Because the Pharisees, they looked around and they didn't see value, right? What did they see? They saw sinners. They saw unrighteous people. Because the story that the Pharisees keep telling themselves is that we're the good guys in this story. Everybody else that you're around right now, Jesus, they're the sinners, they're the unrighteous, and they just don't deserve to hear anything good that's going to happen in their lives. But you see, Jesus, when he looks out there, he sees a single lamb, a single lamb, a single lamb, the single lamb from the parable that he went off and was seeking after. He sees incredible value. He sees all these things that people are saying, why is that valuable to you? Jesus says, this is the most valuable thing to me. I see these people not as unrighteous sinners, but as lost sheep. And I'm going, to, I'm going to seek after them because they have value to me. The problem is that we misunderstand, the, they misunderstood the story and so do we. We want to think about the other 99. We want to think about what's going to happen to them. But where Jesus is like, no, I am seeking after the one who is lost at this time because they have great value to me. The way that Nathan tells the story, it's not about the, the crazy amount of sheep or cattle the rich man had. It's about the value that the poor man placed on that one sheep that he had. And it echoes throughout scripture, it echoes throughout life. And it just over and over again, I see this just story changing and saying, there's something about the people who are lost that Jesus deeply values. And the problem is, do I value them the same way? Am I just like another Pharisee looking around and saying they're unrighteous or they're sinners? No, I would never say that out loud. But do I value people the way that Jesus values people? And I don't think I do. I think that when we, we, we read through and we see, you know, there's so many places we could go right now, right? In scripture that talks about just how much Jesus values people. But I got to keep asking myself the same question over and over again. Do I value people the same way Jesus does? Because these are the same people that crucified Jesus. These are the same people that we are today. These are the same people far away from God that Jesus is still pursuing like they're lost sheep. Because he still values and still cares deeply for us all. Even though we continue to wander away, Jesus sees great value in us. And so I think another problem that we have with this parable is that we read this and we think, great, there's lost sheep out there. It is our job to go seek the lost sheep. And yes, that is a very valuable part of this parable. But I think in doing that, we assume that we're part of the 99, a little bit maybe. And that's okay. Sometimes we might be. We're, we're, the, we're, the, we're the ones that stay close to the flock. We're the ones that stay together. But as I continue to read this parable over and over and over again, this made me pause for a second. This is in Luke 15, verse 7. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven when one sinner who repents, that's a great thing, than over the 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. That's what made me pause. That last part, Okay. The 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. I asked you all earlier who likes to be in debt and nobody raised their hand. Okay. I could ask the same question and say who in here does not need to repent and I think I have a similar response. Because if we truly believe that, you know, 
we, like where we stand in, in, in comparison to God, that we continually happen to be the lost sheep who continually has to repent and come back to God. The question of who does not need to repent, that person does not exist. No matter what, even if you've been baptized, even if you've been a, a Christian for, for 40, 50 years, even though you've been coming to church your entire life, you still have to repent. And guess what? You're still the lost sheep, but also guess what? You're still valuable to Jesus. That's pretty important as we kind of wrap all this up, that you're still valuable to Jesus. And no, you're not always going to be living your life in the way that Jesus wants you to, but he still sees value in you and he still rejoices every time you come and repent and come closer to him. There's great value in seeing that. But the question I kind of want to land on today is what happens when we don't realize that we are that lost sheep that is continually coming back to Jesus? What happens when we think that we are just always a part of 99? I've been baptized, I'm good, I am saved, hallelujah. That is truth. But if our life does not, you know, kind of resemble that in, in some form or fashion, I think we're missing the point. When we don't realize that at times, even though we are saved by the blood of Jesus, that we are still that lost sheep, bad things happen. I think the very first thing that we need to recognize is that we devalue repentance when we think that we're just part of the 99 all the time. We devalue repentance when we think we're just part of the 99. Repentance is what brings us closer to Jesus. And again, there is not one person in here that says, I do not need to repent. No matter where you are in life, we are still living on this. And like Adam spoke about in communion today, there's always going to be this pull of the things I don't want to do, I end up doing, and the things I want to do, I do not do. And there's always going to be a need for repentance. But when we read the parable in Luke 15 about the lost sheep, and we see ourselves as the 99, we devalue what the repentance can still do for us today. I know we always offer an invitation and I know sometimes it's kind of awkward to come forward and you don't want to share yourself with everybody and that's okay. But I, I, I beg you that to find someone that you can repent to in community together. Because the more that you repent, the more that you're going to experience Jesus rejoicing over you. Are you realizing that every single time you turn away from what you were doing and go closer to Jesus, Jesus is rejoicing with you. Jesus is rejoicing with others, just like the parable says here in Luke 15. What does it say in Luke 15, right here? Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 persons who do not need to repent. There is rejoicing in heaven every single time you repent and come closer to God. Do not devalue the sacred act of repenting. The second thing that happens when we don't realize that we are the lost sheep is that we end up devaluing ourselves and devaluing others. We see ourselves in a certain light and we say, you know what, maybe I don't need repentance or maybe, you know what, I've repented too many times. You know what, I've done this thing so many times I keep going back to the sin over and over again. Surely I cannot repent over and over again. But when I read Luke 15 and when I see how the shepherd sees the lost sheep, he sees so much value in you and he rejoices every single time. You've got to value yourself the way that Jesus values yourself, right, values you. And while we're valuing ourselves, it doesn't hurt to cut our fellow man some slack as well. 
Because if Jesus values you, he values the person you hate too. And that, that's tough. I don't want Jesus to value that person. I want that person to go away. But if Jesus values me, he definitely values them. And so the, the question that I kind of was asking earlier about, you know, do I value people the same way Jesus does? No. But I hope to get to a place where I'm getting closer and closer every day. To value others the way that Jesus values them. Because you're a lost sheep, they're a lost sheep. He's rejoicing when we return and repent to him. And he's valuing all of us the same. Even if we don't like it. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this space. And I thank you for Luke 15. uh, In this parable of the lost sheep. Help us to recognize that we are often lost and we don't realize it. Even when we've been baptized, even when we've given our life over to you, God, we recognize that we still wander away. Help us to recognize that even when we wander away, there's still a place for repentance. There's still a place for us to come back to you. And God, you still have such deep value for us that we can't even really understand. I don't get it, but I'm glad you do. Help me to to seek to value others the way that you value others. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I just got done talking about repentance, and and I said, you know, you don't have to come forward right now, but this is an invitation for whatever you got going on to share with somebody and seek community so that you can see just how much value God has placed on your shoulders and the lives of others. Won't you come while we stand and sing?